0: Let's uh, take a moment, um, just gather ourselves before God and ask for his help as we come to his word this morning. Um, So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this chance to be together and to gather together uh, under the authority of your word. um, Father, thank you so much for uh, the ways you've already spoken to us this morning and for the message that Jeanette brought us in the first half. Um, Thank you that as followers of Jesus, we don't need to live overwhelmed by the brokenness of the world because Jesus has come to set us free from the fear of death and of the devil uh, and of all these things. Um, Father, help us to take that message to heart. Um, I pray that even this morning you would be setting us free from bondage and from things that hold us in slavery uh, as Jesus works in our lives by his spirit. Um, Father, I want to pray for us now as we embark on a new series, as we think about our everyday lives, uh, where we live during the week. Um, Father, I want to pray, would you come and speak to us by your word and by your spirit in a way that will give us new confidence and new hope a new faith uh, that will help us to see uh, our lives and our work and the people around us every week in a new way. Um, And Father, in a way that will make us more fruitful uh, so that we bear fruit in all kinds of good ways uh, where we live during the week. Um, Would you come by your spirit um, and apply your word to our hearts in a way that will make it fruitful. Um, We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so, in terms of introducing the series, um, actually a couple couple of words of sort of thanks or explanation. Um, first of all, thank you to Wesley uh, McGowan, who, uh, I think it was about six months ago, uh, Wesley handed me this book called Fruitfulness in the Frontline and just said he had a little seed of an idea that he wondered if this might be something it would be good for us to think about as a church. And I kind of set it on my shelf and thought, I'll, I'll think about that, but my my mind and my eye kept getting drawn to it, uh, and coming up to Christmas, I picked it up again um, and really, really felt that this, this is something we should dig into. So thank you to Wesley uh, for the, the idea, um, for prompting me uh, to think about this. Uh, the book uh, is a book by a guy called Mark Green, who really has spent his whole uh, life and ministry focusing on this issue of uh, being faithful to God where we are during the week, Um, what some people call the 9-5 window, uh, where you live kind of the rest of the time when you're not in church. Um, Mark Green had an earlier book uh, I always remember from when I was a student called Thank God It's Monday, uh, which is a lovely lovely title for a book. Um, But he's he's done lots of really helpful stuff on this. So I'm kind of saying right at the beginning, if you go and read Mark Green's book, you'll realise that I've stolen a lot of what I'm uh, talking about during the series. So I'm saying it at the beginning so uh, that I'm, I'm borrowing without shame. Uh, from lots of wisdom from Mark Green and sometimes I'll say that but sometimes I might forget to say that. Uh, Mark Green works for an organisation called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity and they produce lots of really good resources around these issues and we're going to again use some of those resources including little video clips and little things that we're going to give you to take away with you uh, which hopefully will just enliven uh, the series for us. Um, in lots of ways. So, thank you to Wesley. Thank you to Mark Green and LICC uh, for inspiring uh, this. So, where do we begin? Let, let's begin uh, with a story. Uh, the story about uh, a young girl, probably uh, no no older than thirteen, uh, when these events happened. Uh, she was living in a troubled time of kind of warfare in the the land in which she lived. Um, she was a believer in the God of Israel. Right? She believed in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he was the creator of the world, the shepherd of Israel, the, the God, of, God of all the earth. Um, and one day, an enemy raiding party came into her land from the east. This was common uh, in the turbulent times in which she lived. But this little girl was captured and she was taken away from her homeland and she became a slave in a land far away from her own land. She was working for the enemy commander's wife. Can you imagine that? You've been taken captive uh, by force, and now your daily job is to serve the wife of the commander who did this to you and your your people. And so she's isolated from home, from family, from friends, from other believers. She's surrounded by people who... Worship other gods, many gods, idols, strange gods. Uh, she has nothing but a life of slavery to look forward to. No real prospects of anything else, right? So I wonder how you would feel if you were her. I wonder, is it possible for us even to imagine? Um, she, she must have wondered, where is God in all of this? Um, She must have longed for freedom and longed for home. Can you imagine how much she would have longed to be back with your people and your land? Um, She must have felt very small and insignificant and powerless, kind of swept up in these big global events of armies and stuff that's happening that she has no control over. She must have felt very small, just, just a girl. And she must have felt every day as she got up, in some sense, She was in the wrong place, in the wrong job, with the wrong people. I should be in my homeland doing something else growing up, being a Um, 13-year-old. I imagine some of those things must have been going on for her. But then, her mistress's husband, I remember he's the commander of the army that raided her town and took her captive. His name is Naaman. He is her enemy. If anybody's ever had an enemy, he is her enemy, right? He did this to her and her people. Um, And he has leprosy, which in that time especially was one of the most feared diseases of the skin that could destroy your whole life um, and make you literally alienated from society. Um, How does this girl respond you can imagine lots of ways she could have responded. Does she see it as as just punishment from God for his idolatry, this pagan idol worshipper? Um, does he does she think that's what he deserves for messing with God's people? Does she wish him a long and painful death because of all that he's done and to her and her people? This is what she does. She speaks one sentence, I think it's one of the most extraordinary in the Bible. Um, you can find it in Second Kings five if you want to read it later on, but just one sentence. She says, "If only my master would see the prophet um, who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy." That's all. That's all she says. "If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy." Right? Do so you get the power, power of this story? Right? She doesn't want to punish her enemy, but to bless him. Long before Jesus came and taught that we should bless those who wrong us and return uh, blessing instead of curses, she doesn't want them dead. She wants them healed. And so she speaks up. Um, And it seems like she still believes, in spite of everything that's happened to her, that her God can do what the pagan gods cannot do. And she believes that her God wants to heal and bless her enemy. That his grace extends beyond the boundaries of Israel and extends to all people. She seems to believe that, that God not only can, but would want to bless this man. And so she speaks this one remarkable sentence. And what happens as a result? You probably, lots of you probably know the story. Naaman goes to Israel and he sees the prophet Elisha. And he tells him to wash seven times in the Jordan, which initially he doesn't really like as an idea and resists and protests. But in the end, he does. And he is completely healed. And he becomes a believer in the one true God. And he testifies to the power of this God. And his servants hear his testimony. And his household hears his testimony. And his army hears his testimony. And his king hears his testimony. And all of that happens because one little girl speaks one sentence of incredible faith and courage in incredibly difficult circumstances. Um, They all come to hear there is a God in Israel who can do what no other God can do and who wants to bless all people on earth. Um, So why are we beginning there? (laughs) with that story of that little girl. Um, I I guess it's this, that our hope for this series, my hope for this series, um, is that it will give every single one of us confidence that God can use you to make a powerful difference where you are, right? Right where you are right now in your life. Um, I'm kind of really aware when we start talking about this subject of being fruitful on your front line, there's some of us that find this easier than others to think about. Because maybe for some of you, you are right now in your dream job and you have that feeling of, I am in the right place at the right time and I'm using all my gifts and this is my calling and I have influence and I'm changing the world. Maybe some of you feel like that on a Monday morning. But there's also some of you who feel like you're stuck in the wrong place. And you're longing for something different. You don't feel like your gifts are being used. You don't feel like you have much voice or much influence. And you get up on a Monday morning and you wonder, does it matter what I do this week? And I want to encourage you right at the start of this series, you can make a difference where you are. And that's why we started with that little girl. Because if that little girl, who's the definition of seemingly in the wrong place at the wrong time in a strange land as a slave, if she can have this powerful impact, then so can we. I wonder, do you believe that? That You can make a difference where you are right now, even while you're maybe waiting for something different or better to come along. You can make a difference where you are. So let's watch a little video. Um, LICC have made a lot of little videos uh, to help us kind of engage with these issues. So uh, this is just a little short one to maybe set the scene for what we're going to think about uh, during the series so hopefully video will play over a month around 6% of the UK gather together to worship Jesus it feels like we're too few to make a difference but the reality is Monday to Saturday God has us scattered in the world connecting to hundreds and thousands of people So, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, you can make all the difference in the world. And on Sundays, when we gather together,
1: we strengthen and empower one another
0: to be sent out again Life on our front lines. Okay, um, so um, I want to want to think for a moment uh, about what we mean by your front line. Uh, so, if we're going to be talking in this series about. Uh, making a difference, being fruitful on your front line, what do do we mean by your front line? So um, here's a little working definition just for this series of what what we mean by that. What we mean is the place of your everyday life and work. Okay. So in other words, the place where you spend most of your time and days and week when you're not in church doing church stuff. Um, And maybe especially... um, the places where you're in contact with other people and maybe especially uh, with people who don't know Jesus. Okay, so that's our little definition. It's, it's the place of your everyday life and work, especially where you're in contact with other people and especially with people um, who don't know Jesus. Um, so you need to think about uh, where that is for you. Um, for some of us, that's going to be very obvious. Maybe it's the place of our paid employment where we spend a big chunk of our week. Um, For others, it might mean being at home with kids or grandkids or looking after elderly relatives or all kinds of other uh, things like that. Um, For some of us, you may be unemployed or retired, um, but I want to encourage you, all of us have a front line. Um, Even if at the minute you're unemployed or retired, there are places where you impact the world, where you come into contact with other people. It might be places where you volunteer uh, or people you befriend, or people who befriend you, or people who serve you. Um, but all of us have a front line. Um, and I want to I really encourage you, especially... Uh, you, you may need to think a little bit about what your, your front line uh, looks like. Um, and I've said, especially where you're in contact with other people. Um, usually your front line will involve contact with other people. I am aware there are some people who do work that is quite solitary, uh, so I was reading uh reading a, a novel recently about someone who was a a lighthouse keeper on an island off the coast of Australia in the days before lighthouses were automated um and so there's there's a definition of a solitary job and yet a job that's all about saving the lives of other people right so his front line was quite solitary uh, and yet was having a an impact um on the world and I guess maybe today you could you can think of some jobs that might be like that uh A writer or an artist might spend a lot of time by themselves, but their hope is that what they create will bless others. Um, Maybe someone who's got a real calling to be an intercessor in prayer is going to spend a lot of time by themselves with God, but their hope is that that is having a huge impact uh, on the world. So I've said usually or especially contact with other people, but some people are going to be called to a front line that's maybe a little bit solitary at times. And I've said usually or especially where we contact people who are not yet believers in Jesus. Um, And I'd love us during this series to really think especially about those contact points that we have in our week uh, with people who who don't know Jesus yet. Um, But I don't want to narrow what we talk about just to contact with unbelievers. uh, Because some of us are going to be in a front line where we maybe are especially called to serve Christians in different ways and you may be called to encourage those who are struggling and help those who are hurting and bring back those who've wandered away and help those who are new to the faith to grow uh, in the in their young faith uh, and all kinds of things as well so i don't want to narrow fruitfulness to you can't be fruitful unless it's with an unbeliever but we do want to maybe especially shine a light on those places in our days and our week where we've been placed in contact with people who don't know Jesus yet. Okay, so does that, is that okay as a, a working definition? So you can, you can have your brain worrying um, thinking about that. Um, and I guess my hope is that this series will help you, first of all, to see your front line in a new way. So even before we do anything different, I hope it'll help you see your front line in a new way. And, and that actually may, may even just begin with realising that you have a front line. And maybe you were thinking, I don't really have one. And maybe as we go on, you might realise that you do. Uh, Maybe it might involve helping you see that you're already being fruitful in ways that you hadn't realised, and maybe that will be encouraging to you. And maybe it'll help you see that there are opportunities to be fruitful in ways that you hadn't realised yet, and maybe get a little bit more courage or a little bit more faith uh, to to step into that. Um, So I, I hope it'll help us see Or frontline in a new way. I also hope it'll help you see the other people you come to church with in a different way. And this is where I I love that, just that really simple image that LICC use of the red dots and the grey dots and that idea of, as we come together on a Sunday, all the red dots come together to worship God, to pray for each other, to break bread, to encourage each other. And then we go and we're scattered through our neighbourhood and through our town and through the North Coast area and in all kinds of places where we're, we, we live on our front lines. And then we come back together uh, to feed each other and encourage each other and, and do all those things together again. Um, and so I hope this series will help you maybe start to get really inspired by that almost imagining in your mind as you go into Monday, these little red dots heading out into into the North Coast area and that you might pray for each other as you go to do that and maybe ask each other when you come back together, how did it go on your front line uh, this week? Um, And so there's a sense in which when we leave on a Sunday morning, there should be this sense that we are sending each other (laughs) back out into the world. We're we're actually commissioning each other um, every bit as much as you commission a, a mission team to go to Eastern Europe to do mission. We commission each other to go back to the front line and do what we do there uh, as, as representatives of Jesus. And so um, the little giveaway, going to be, you're going to get giveaways a few of the weeks during this series. Um, it's just a, a drinks coaster. It's uh, nothing very special about it. It's got the red dots on it uh, to remind you, or it is a red dot if you turn it over. Um, but I, I guess really simple thing, I want to encourage you to take that with you to your front line, put it on your desk, put it in your classroom, uh, put it in your work, work room or wherever it is that you work, uh, put it on your kitchen table where you you do your family life together and just to remind you that this is your front line and also just maybe to spark your imagination when you see it, that these are now scattered all over the place and to, to be be thinking and praying for your brothers and sisters as they do that. Okay, so take those with you um, into the world. Um, one of the very simple things we're, we're going to do uh, that I'm really excited about uh, every Sunday as part of this series is I'm going to take a few minutes to interview somebody uh, from our church about what they do during the week. Okay, And so this, this little slot is going to be called, there, there's a picture of somebody in, in their workplace. So uh, this little slot is going to be called This Time Tomorrow, so TTT. Right? And so I'm going to ask one person, where are you going to be this time tomorrow, or on a typical day, and then ask a couple of questions uh, about what that's like. And hopefully that'll just start to give us a wee picture of all the red dots scattered and uh, what they're doing. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this, and you'll, you'll, you'll never know each week who I'm going to call. I, ha- I have warned people in advance, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to pick on anybody out of the blue. Um, so Alan is going to come. Uh, and um, Alan, Alan and his family have been coming to church for a while. Some of you will know him. Uh, some of you don't, Um, but I'm going to ask Alan to kick us off and just tell us, Alan, where will you be this time tomorrow or on a typical day?
1: Uh, Tomorrow I'll be in the metropolis of Ballymunny. Uh, which is actually the regional headquarters for policing in the northwest. I thought there was a picture of my office there behind me, uh, but um, I'll be in the office. Um, just finished morning meetings, which looks at all the incidents that have happened in the previous 24 hours, all the issues of risk, resource, and make sure we've got everything in place and we'll plan ahead for that. So uh, tomorrow morning, all being well, I'll be in Balamuni.
0: So tell us, Alan, just a couple of the things that you enjoy about life on your front line.
1: Uh, well, I, don't, I feel a bit of a fraud calling me in the front line because it's a long time since I've really been on the true front line. But um, I absolutely love the place. I've been the place for nearly 30 years, despite how I look, uh, I have. Uh, and I've loved every bit of it. Uh, there's been lots of bad things and tough things all the time, but I've loved what we've been able to do. Um, and it's not just because a recruitment uh, campaign starting here very shortly, but uh, I've actually seen every day people's lives being changed, um, people's lives um, being saved, Uh, mindsets and cultures changed and and that's really really uh, encouraging for me it gives me more enthusiasm but every day um, there's new stuff comes in new tough stuff comes in uh, but the the good outweighs the the tough stuff
0: Um, So maybe could you tell us then a couple of the pressure points for you uh, there on where you're working
1: Um, Well I, I think for me i 've sort of got there 's people who are in the public who are by and large you outside who we, we have to manage, and then there 's people in the inside we have to manage and I do believe places about people and it 's making sure we treat people as people and not just as jobs and numbers and tasks and and functionality so uh, there 's lots of risks involved in that and making sure people don 't get hurt uh, both in the public and internally. So the pressure for me is sort of as decision makers is making sure what I do doesn 't adversely affect people. Um, Everything we do has impact, but it's making sure we don't create uh, risk for people. So the pressure's about doing the right thing. Um, people will sort of look in the role that I have, um, that I set the tone for everything else that happens. Um, and My boss is probably, you could say, the chief, uh, but I, I see my boss as God and making sure that I'm living before him in my role and everything I do.
0: That maybe leads into, um, how, what, what purpose do you feel God might have uh, in putting you where you are? So. Well, it's
1: incredible to use that wee story because we, um, I'm part of the Christian Police Association as well, and I would use that, the little girl, that's probably my favourite story in the whole Bible. Uh, and every one of us, no matter where we are, that little girl didn't even have a name in the Bible. Um, it wasn't given a name, and yet feeling insignificant, and we all have purpose no matter what we have. I do think, I do feel that I don't really know the purpose until I look back and see what the purpose was, um, but I do believe um, my purpose is certainly to. to Encourage people who are in the workplace, particularly Christians in the, the place, to live their faith out, both with their colleagues, but also more so out in the public, and being able to help them connect with Jesus and connect with God, uh, and be more not hide their light, but to actually share Christ in the workplace. So that's probably my real goal, and focus, and purpose, brother. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, last question is: uh, if We as a church family wanted to pray for you uh, this week in your work. Uh, how could we pray for you?
1: Uh, well, uh, um certainly lots of feelings, lots of falls, uh, uh, faults. Um, it's, I love what I do, um, but I'm also a father, uh, a husband, uh, a son uh, and a child of God. So trying to balance all those things is very tough and making sure that the decisions I take um, are the right things before God, but also sort of bearing in mind the other aspects of life that, that uh, blend
0: into that. Could we pray for you now? Oh, That'd be all, right. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Um, um, Father, thank you so much for Alan. Um, thank you for uh, the gifts that you've given him and the personality you've given him. Uh, thank you for the place where you've put him uh, in his work. And Father, as a church, we want to pray for him this week. Uh, we want to pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, go with him into his workplace that he'd be really aware of your presence this week as he goes into work. Uh, Pray that you would give him your wisdom as he makes difficult decisions. Um, I pray that you would fill him with your love for his colleagues and for sometimes the difficult or complicated people uh, that he comes into contact with. Um, Father, we ask that you would use Alan to shine your light in different ways uh, in that place. And Father, we pray you would help him with Getting the balance of life right as he thinks about work and family and all the different aspects of his life, um, Father, we pray that your grace, your kindness, would rest on him this week, and you'd really encourage him in his work and in his family life. Um, and we thank you for him. I pray your blessing on him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. Brilliant. Um, so you're all looking forward to. So I have, I have a really interesting lineup of. Uh, people. Uh, I've tried to pick people uh, who have very different front lines to each other, just to reflect a little bit of the variety uh, of the richness of, uh, of church family. So, and you get another one next week. Um, let's, let's think about a few other things uh, before we finish today. Um, maybe, maybe especially for those of you, maybe some of you are sitting thinking I'm really struggling to think about my front line. Um, uh, and so I want to tell a story. Uh, Mark Green, in his book tells this story, and I found it really helpful. Uh, he tells a story about a home group um, who were talking about some of these things, about being fruitful on your front line. Um, and there was a lady called Isabel uh, in the group. Uh, whenever it came her turn to share, various other people had shared, when it came to be Isabel's turn, she said, well, I don't really think I have a front line. She said, I'm, I'm retired. I, I mean, I look after my husband. I look after my house." I do a few things at church. I see my grandchildren, but I don't really think I have a front line in the way that the rest of you do. Mark Green says there was this kind of awkward silence when she finished as the group sort of wondered what to say. And then someone said to Isabel, they're probably grasping at straws, they said, tell us about your grandchildren. And so she told them about her grandchildren. And then she said this, she said, and the eldest comes to my house for Sunday lunch nearly every week. And she always asks about church and about the sermon and we end up talking about it together. And someone said, how old is your oldest grandchild? She said, 23. And Mark Green says, something happened in that group as as they started to see Isabel differently and started to talk about this together. And they started to open up together. And they realised nearly every Sunday... Isabel was having a significant conversation about church and life and the Bible and God with someone who's not yet a Christian, who's in the age group that the church in the UK is finding hardest to reach, right? Um, And the group started to agree together. We need to start praying for Isabel on her front line, right? And the pastor who was present in the group whenever this happened started to think, and I love this, I'd better include something in my sermon at 11.30 that might help Isabel in her conversation with her granddaughter at 1.30. Isn't that brilliant? Because at least part of the point of being together at church, there's lots of reasons why we come together, but at least part of it is that we help each other and encourage each other and resource each other and release each other and inspire each other for life on the front line in the 95% of the week when we're not together. Um, and so Isabel started to see her frontline in a different way and her, her home group started to see her in a different way and, he, and her pastor started to see his congregation um, in a different way. Um, so I love that story. I hope that might uh, maybe help some of you as you're thinking about your front line uh, this week. Um, but I want to give us just two, two little bits of scripture to take into the week uh, just for the last uh, little bit. Uh, one of them, is a slightly bigger chunk, and then the other one's a very small, just one verse. Uh, and the, the bigger chunk is this from Colossians 1, uh, one of my favorite passages. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 15 and, and following says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And you noticed as I was reading it, we're just—I've I've wanted to highlight especially just those two little words that keep cropping up all the way through: all things, all things, all things. Um, and the really simple reflection on it—I'm not going to unpack this whole passage. Don't worry. Um, is simply this, that all things matter to Jesus, right? All things matter to Jesus. Why? Because all things were created by him and for him, and all things are held together moment by moment by him, and he is at work in the world reconciling all things to God, healing whatever is broken in our world, making all things new, as it says in Revelation. Um, so everything is included, right? Jesus cares about every inch of creation. He's involved in every little corner of creation. And that includes the little corner where you spend most of your time and your days. And he wants to bring blessing and reconciliation and new creation in that little corner as well as in all the rest, um, in your everyday On your front line. Um, And so, part of this, every time we read Colossians 1, it should be saying to us we need to stop the nonsense of dividing life into the spiritual over here and the secular over here, as if we could do that. Um, Where we say the spiritual is about church and prayer meetings and going on mission teams to other parts of the world, and the secular or the ordinary is over here. Um, Colossians 1 reminds us everything is spiritual. Right? Because Jesus is present in every corner and he's involved and he's at work in love and in power uh, wherever you are. Your, your ordinary front line is an arena in which Jesus is present and Jesus is already at work. You and I just need to have the eyes to see it and then to start joining in with what he's doing. Um, one of my favourite lines from a song, a guy called Pierce Pettis, very simple line, he says, Everything matters if anything matters at all. I love that. Everything matters, if anything matters at all. Um, but the other thing with Colossians 1, um, when you read Colossians 1, it kind of takes you into this kind of big picture, kind of blows your mind with the, this, the scale of what God is doing in the world through Jesus um, that involves the whole cosmos. Um, but at the same time, it makes us realise that if, if all things matter to God, then that also means that little things matter to him. Right? So it's it's big picture, but where does that big picture cosmic drama of reconciliation and salvation actually get worked out? It gets worked out in the small corners and ordinary places of your life and mine. Right? There's no other place for it to get worked out than in the small corners. Um, and so it, Colossians 1 says both these, these things to me, that... All things matter to Jesus, but therefore, little things matter to him. And it's really important to say because maybe lots of us feel like the things we're doing every day are pretty small and insignificant. And lots of us get up on a Monday morning and maybe think, I don't know if anybody would notice if I, do, if I didn't do them this week. right? Would anybody notice? We're just a small cog in the big machine of the world, and that's how we feel, um, that's why I wanted to start the series with the little girl uh, in second, second Kings 5. In God's hands, a little can have a powerful impact, right? And that's all through the scriptures, isn't it? So one sentence spoken by a slave girl and sends out these ripples through an army and a nation, right? Um, a mustard seed planted in the ground has, grows and becomes something Tremendously significant. A widow's small coin dropped in a box, Jesus says, matters profoundly, right? A cup of cold water given to someone who's thirsty matters in the economy of God's kingdom. A few loaves and a couple of fish put into the hands of Jesus. (sighs) Can feed a multitude and basketfuls left over and taken back down the mountain. Um, And when you think about all those examples, I think what we realise is what matters is our availability. right? It's our willingness to put what we have, whether that seems like a little or a lot, but to put it at God's disposal, to put it in God's hands, um, and to say, I wonder what you could do with this. right? I'd love to see what you could do with this. Um, and to do little things with great love, as Mother Teresa like to say, to plant little seeds with faith and hope and then watch to see what God will do with it. is right? Isn't that the thrust of all of these stories? Um, so all things matter to Jesus and therefore tomorrow morning little things matter to Jesus. You do them in faith, you do them in hope, you watch to see what he might do. Uh, but here's the last uh, verse that I want to leave with you and if there's a a kind of memory verse to go with this series that I'd love you to memorise. And if you, if you don't like this in the message, which I really love uh, for this particular verse, you can uh, learn it in, a, in a, an older translation if you want. Uh, but this is Romans 12, verse 1 from the message. Here's what I want you to do, says Paul. Um, after he's kind of waxed lyrical about the gospel for 11 chapters, uh, how do we live in light of the gospel? He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you, and that bit's really important. Um, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. The older translations say, present your body as a living sacrifice. That's just your ordinary stuff of life. Give it to God as an offering, and then see what happens. And so if you forget everything else that I've talked about, What I'm wanting you to think about this week is that your everyday ordinary life is a place of worship, and you're the (laughs) worshipper, and your everyday ordinary life is a place of mission, and you are the missionary, (laughs) right? I'm going to pray in a second and commission us to go to the mission field uh, for this week ahead, Um, but all I'd love you to just go into this week thinking is, what might happen if you started to see your life that way and just to get up every day and offer it all to God and say, I wonder what you could do with this. And even more exciting, I wonder what might happen if each of us, all of us, started to see our lives that way and started to pray for each other and encourage each other um, in doing that. Um, I'd love to find out. Would you, would you like to find out over the next few weeks um, if we start to, to see ourselves in this way? Uh, what might happen. Let's uh, pray together, um, get the band to come up, um, and maybe, maybe you'd stand w- with me um, and let me pray for you uh, as you go into your week. Um, and if you'd like a little extra prayer this morning, if you'd like a couple of people uh, to pray with you, uh, there'll be a couple of people up here in this corner. I'd love to pray for you going into the, the week ahead. Um, Father, thank you so much that as we go into this week, uh, we don't go alone. Uh, We have your fierce and powerful promise that you go with us every step of the way, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Um, Father, would you make each of us really aware as we go to our everyday lives and our everyday work And the thing the challenges that we face tomorrow and the opportunities that we face tomorrow. um, Would you give us a really deep and profound sense of your presence? Would you help us to look up often from our work and just remember and notice that you are here and this is holy ground. Um, Father, would you teach each of us what it means to worship you in those places of our everyday lives? Even in our work, Um, would you show us what it means to be missionaries in the places of our everyday lives and to look around us and ask, Lord, how do you want to use me to bless the people that I'm in contact with? Um, Father, would you increase our faith that uh, we might feel like our contribution is very small, but would you just keep reminding us by your Spirit? of the things that you can do with a little when someone puts it into your hands. Father, would you give us just a little glimpse of the powerful ripples of impact that could go out if, if every single person in this room started to surrender and give their everyday lives over to you and ask, Lord, would you pour out your love, would you pour out your presence, would you pour out your power here in this place of my everyday living? Father, we pray we would see miracles of salvation, we'd see miracles of healing, we'd see broken lives made new, and we pray that you'd do it through ordinary people like us. Um, Father, help us to see our lives in a new way as we go into this week. Um, Father, we pray uh, for each person in the room as we go into our week that you would fill us with your spirit and empower us to live well uh, before you and for you and with you in the week ahead.